0: Axons Unleashed. G'day everyone, my name's Robbie, I'm joined with Dan, I've got Dane back in the house and I've also got Tamara here as well. Welcome to another version of Axons Unleashed. Morning all. Here we are. Here we are
1: once again. Good to be back, yeah. team.
0: Yes, mate. You missed us last week, but uh, Dane and I were jawing off a lot about um, going through recruit training and et cetera, et cetera. But now well, we're going to talk about my career as an officer. It's very uh, apt that you're back in the right. house. I you'll
2: pro- have to you'll have to listen back uh, and hear the adventures. Mm. It's, it wasn't quite as funny as Dane's recruit school, but I'll, it was I'll pretty matured.
1: good. <laughs> I, I thought I was going to have to apologise to our listeners. And they're like, I'm sorry you had to listen to those two carry on for the last week. Well, you oh, can. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <I didn't go laughs>
0: Plenty more one. where that came from. Plenty more where that came from. Hey, so everyone will be uh, really, really happy to hear that um, this is the last time you have to hear about my career in the military. Um, so I guess we're at that, that sort of final stage now whereby I finished off the last session, um, Sergeant Rank off, Captain Rank on, left turn. In the officer's mess, way you go. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, it was
1: really cool. Back in the bad old days, mate, where you could go from being a snake straight across to captain. Because obviously, yeah. these days you need to be a bit more senior in your um, OR ranks before you can chop across to captain. So yeah,
0: it's good, isn't it? I was like, there was no fucking way I was going to do it if I had to, if I got busted back to not busted back if I got commissioned to captain. Sorry, commissioned to lieutenant and had to go through Duntroon. I'll be like, fuck that. I'm Mate, not, not, no, 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 no. have been no. all the better off
1: for it too. Buddy, <laughs> hey? Your years as a good young lieutenant are some of the formative best times of your life. No
0: doubt. I, I, I Yes, yes and yes. Um, and certainly when I did commission, I, I was able to sort of join a whole new um, cohort of people and I could see they had very strong bonds because they all met each other either at ADFA or at Duntroon and, you know, sort of went through those real formative years. But I sort of came in on the side, I suppose, which was, uh, which was you know, Good, good super and bad. And yeah, a little yeah, super sub. I like it. I like it. Um, so interestingly, I I got I got commissioned in um, April two thousand and three, and then basically deployed like three months later. Boom, Solomon Islands kicked off, and uh, we had to go over there with the two RER groups. So it was it was really weird to sort of be um, a senior NCO one minute and then bang over there as Captain Robbie. And then you know one of the one of the things I, was, I remember is that, um, and Dane, you probably remember this as well. When you see a warrant officer, you like brace up, you're like, morning, sir. I used to do that still. He's like, no, sir, you call me sir now. I don't yeah. call you sir anymore. So yeah, 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 <laughs> it was yeah, a yeah. funny, weird little thing to go through. So you
3: do it almost out of fear at the start, and now <laughs> it takes a while to get out of your system. Well, yeah. you,
2: you were telling people to call cadets, sir, so.
3: <laughs> 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 Throw him the bone and then laugh
0: at them afterwards and say, he's, he's such a fool. <laughs> oh. Um but one of, the, one of the first things that there's an, a little fob down of the, the southern part of the weather coast that needed to be established, you know, very, very soon. So it was, um, I got righto, Robbie, you're going to now go and be the sort of the fob commander down there. So I had a platoon of Australian infantry, um, a platoon of Tongan infantry, a platoon of Fijian infantry, a whole lot of SIGs and other sort of people sort of attached with us, a medical team, et cetera. So yeah, bang, on the bloody, uh, on, on the helicopters and, and down we go. Um, into the bloody badlands down there like no coalition troops have ever ever been there before. There's a few bloody buffets running down around there shooting weapons and bloody beheading people and stuff on the southern part of the of the, uh, the weather coast there. So we sort of uh, – I remember we sort of landed. Um, I went down and did a helicopter recce, landed, got off the choppers. Everyone sort of, you know, out in formation and sort of the, the only thing I was like, all right, let's go and just um, – quite routine for 10 minutes just to sort of see sort of <laughs> what's happened and then you've just gone and what do i do next yeah yeah pretty much like, <laughs> uh, all right I can see, there's a <laughs> <laughs> clear <laughs> um probably after about five minutes i suppose we're sitting there i got a report by one of the outer sort of um the, the, one of the perimeters are like uh there's like 40 50 guys all carrying machetes and rifles coming our way i'm like you're fucking joking my, this cannot fucking be happening to me. I've only fucking just landed in country. I only feel like I got commissioned like yesterday. And now I've got fucking 40 or 50 dudes walking towards the yeah. fucking perimeter. I'm like, right, fucking, you know, stand to let Let's go, boys. It's fucking on here. Yeah, 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 but yeah. Uh, luckily they came They came in peace. They saw the helicopters landing. I'm like, no, no, no. We're here as a gun amnesty. We're here to hand back our weapons. I was like, fucking 50 cent, 5 cent, 50 cent, 5 cent. <laughs> I'm like first bloody first time on the ground and I'm going to be your fucking shoot up match straight away. Um, that was certainly mate, the reports that you, was
1: coming in. They they heard that Robbie Turner was coming in on yeah. that helicopter, mate. And they're like, please, sir, take our weapons away. We don't <laughs> want to fight with you. I was like, thank fuck for that. Because and, and, I hadn't
0: been to Afghanistan at this stage, yeah. right? So that was like... Um, so yeah, that was the fucking real war back
1: then. Yeah, mate. I was gonna say I didn't realize I need to bring my body armor today. But, um, yep. Yeah. I haven't heard uh, that fifty cent five.
2: Cent <laughs> thing I don't before. even know what it means.
1: I, I was, <laughs> oh, your pucker's doing fifty
0: cent five cent fifty cent five. I was, I was talking about it last week. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Oh He's, I just got it.
1: He, he was yes. shitting himself. Yeah, he was yeah like. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I didn't think. We're I just wasn't going expecting
2: there. it. They're like, "What are we?" There's five minutes in. Yeah. How much? How much does it go
1: to show though that? when you go through all those processes and you've rehearsed and planned for what you've expected, you're like, no worries, I know exactly what I'm going to do here. And you're like, boom, just fall into drills mm. and you go and do your habits. Mm. But when you get put in a situation where you're like, holy shit, I've not prepared for this. I'm, I'm now a junior minted captain of going into a combined force, a coalition force of dudes I've never ever met before to build a base that I've never ever done before. And you just gone, on. Fuck! What do I do now? Yeah,
0: it was a little bit, <laughs> was a little bit crazy there, but look, you know, we got into sort of fob routine, and um, it was really, really great hanging out with the Tongans and the, and the Fijians because um, no doubt they'd catch a fucking wild pig, and you know, five minutes later it's on the bloody spit, ready to go. So we, you know, we ate like kings down there because yeah, no. she was all rat packs back really in the day. Eat
2: pork? What are you talking about? You I, I fucking. Wild he I would,
0: would have, have smashed it. it yeah, yeah I do. Does, he doesn't he like pork belly, it.
2: but he freaking eats wild pig. Yeah, it's great. I
0: fucking. Cutting bits of cheek off and bloody feeding it to yeah, you—it yeah, was fucking yeah, yeah. great. Yeah, yeah, it was good, real good. Um, <laughs> so and all, then all in the presentation, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> clearly, God. <laughs> like bloody wrapping it up in banana leaves and shit. It was yeah, it was bloody excellent. Um, sure enough, I got uh, one of the one of the resup birds came about two weeks later, and uh, I got a call came in from the sort of headquarters going um, the fob commander needs to go and um, marry up. There's a safe hand parcel for uh, for one one of the reset birds. I'm like. Oh, fuck, this is interesting. I've got no one bloody sending me shit, and you I know who no really knows where I am. Um, so, enough that I went over there and, like, you know, he's bloody waved me over. Good mate of mine, Steve O, actually, who's a who's fine uh, Iroquois chopper, comes in and uh, he goes, There you go, Hooch. That's yours, mate. See you later. I'm like, What the fuck is this big yellow envelope? Sure enough, off the bloody chopper goes, whoosh, open it up, bang, posting order. You're going to SoCom because I hadn't, didn't have a posting order. Obviously, I didn't got commissioned bloody a couple of months ago. And now here we were, sort of September, October-ish, you know, the posting as we speak now in the first week of September, as we know, posting orders are out. So yeah, sure enough, um, I'm like, oh, right. They said, uh, yeah, you know, congratulations, Robbie, you've been selected. Uh, we need you to go down there and effectively stand up the JTAC capability for SOCOM um in broad terms there'd been a couple of officers raa officers go down there and try commander selection that had not been successful so far we need you to go down there and sort of spearhead that capability so
1: had you been applying to go and do this is this something that was on your radar at all no not at all wow Mm -hmm. so it was like
0: uh shit got real real fast real real
1: quick so what what did you need to do then obviously you got your posting order and then what was sort of the the cycle that you had to go through now
0: yeah, so I mean, the the first thing that sort of sprung to mind, I'm like, all right, this this could be a few first coming our way. Um, I was the first senior NCO in the in artillery to get to commission as, as last week. Dan, you missed out. There was five other warrant officers that got to do it, and they were like the creme de la creme, the fucking best of the best. Like when yeah. I very first met them, when I you know joined back in 1990, these guys were like fucking Top Gun junior NCOs walking around, fucking like. On cloud nine, senior yep. NCOs, warrant officers. I'm like, fuck, there's no way I'm going to be able to like match what those guys did. Sure enough, I bloody slipped, slipped through the cracks and, and found myself there and went, fuck, now I'm going to have to go and be the uh, the, first, the first, you know, RAA officer to try and go down there and pass, you know, commando selection. So it was certainly something that um, I took very seriously, very quickly, but I couldn't train whilst I was over there in yeah. fucking eating bloody ration packs out the back of fucking... You know, Timbuktu in in the Solomon Islands uh, wasn't wasn't sort of conducive to that. So I was able to sort of go back up through my chain of command. And uh, luckily, when I did get fir- when I first got posted down to the four R E R commander, as it was back then um, in January two thousand and four, um, the Rio cycle started in December. So I missed that first one. Yep. So I actually did it mid year. So oh, it so was good. I had the first six, of, um, first six months of first six months of two thousand and four to get my shit together. Really. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, mate, I was a fucking man on, on a mission.
1: Yeah. So what did you do when you got down there? They grabbed you out and they're like, hey, come down to come down to Sydney. And what was the next step for you for that first six months then? Well, I got posted down there as the adj straight away. So uh, <laughs> so I was like, I had so fucking jun- no idea. Junior was they
2: cap- shot staffed or something? Yeah, <laughs> they were.
1: Yes, <laughs> mate, yes. Mate, junior captain to the Solomons. And now you're like second-year junior captain as the adjutant. Of like fucking second six months junior captain, yeah. As one of the more one of the more senior units, I suppose you'd say, an adjutant would normally be the most senior captain in an entire unit. (laughs) You might have been able to be like the ACADG's handbag holder, mate, if you were lucky.
0: (laughs) At best. I remember Brett Challen was the OCU Charlie Company at the time when they're standing up Tag East and he'd come in there and fucking start talking to me about stuff and I'm like i got no idea what this fucking guy's talking about. He goes, yep, I just needed a brief the CEO on this, 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 this. I'm looking forward to this brief. Can you just read through it, make sure it all makes sense? And I was like, fucking talk about a baptism of fire. I had zero idea how to be an adjunct, let alone the fucking adjunct of a, of a unit that was rapidly growing and sort of uh, evolving mm-hmm. and sort of bringing itself up into the status that it eventually came. So yeah, that was a real bloody baptism of fire. I guess the good news is, is that um, being the CEO's right-hand man, that uh, I was of I was able to you know um, create some really good rapport with the rest of the officers quite quickly. Absolutely, um, they knew that I was a bloody uh, a, a senior NCO changeover, and uh, yeah, the boys were certainly pulling the piss out because they're down there as very senior captains as yeah, well. Absolutely. So the platoon commanders are down there as third, fourth, fifth, you know, fucking high flying bloody top gun captains in their own right. So um, I was certainly surrounded by some freaking amazing people. Good friend of mine, Garf, um, Tammy, that's when we yeah. first met down there. And uh yeah, I'm very, very grateful for the mentorship that those sort of guys are able to provide me, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, so the, you yeah, know then I did um, selection from sort of mid 2004 through to the end of the year, really. Yeah. Right. Fucking out of Holesworthy, freezing cold, fucking walking up and down Yarmas, etc. etc. I won't uh, I won't bore everyone with my bloody uh with my uh, worries, but you know, needless to say, there were quite a few times where I'm like I am fucking fragged here, I'm walking around, I'm lost, I'm fucking in these boonies, I'm walking through these fucking sticks and got bloody um, um, you know, spiderwebs on my face at night time, I don't know where I'm going, I've fucking still got three days to go, I'm like, fuck it, what if I just get bitten by a snake, or what if I fall over and just fucking hurt me, like, everyone's going to understand that I got injured and it won't be a discharge and it won't be a withdrawal on request, I'll come back and do it next year. But uh, yeah, I guess that just sort of didn't happen. And I fucking somehow buddy scraped my way through and yeah, got to the end and got presented my barrow, which was a really, really proud moment, actually.
2: Mindset shift, huh?
0: It was a mindset, a real, a
1: real mindset shift, yeah. yeah. I suppose I was going to ask is when you were sitting there and you were going through that, obviously you hadn't quite gotten to it yet, but later on in your career, you take this down to RMC. Would it have given you a really early insight then as to some of the later postings in your life?
0: Yeah, it was great. I certainly was able to um, you know, go down go down to Duntroon and, and Dan Fortune, who was a CEO at the time. He goes, Right, Robbie, you're the only SOCOM officer here. Um, I want you to uh, I want you to basically run exercise shaggy ridge like a little commando selection training course. Yeah, right.
1: So <laughs> you've you've taken that mentality where you're like, This really sucks. I'm gonna get bitten by a snake to I'm running it. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna recreate this and destroy <laughs> people's morale and will to live. I think
2: I've heard and you parts say that because your this. wife
1: was on it as well.
2: I think yeah. I've heard parts of this. Everyone's like sort of remembers you as that Shaggy Ridge, uh, yep. yeah. That time, that was, guy, yeah, not favourable for a lot of people.
0: Well, when you're doing, <laughs> you know, Dane, you you probably might not be aware of this, but when you do things really hard, like <laughs> you, you, you come out the other end a better person for it, don't you? <laughs>
3: I'm not gonna fucking even comment.
0: <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess like, <laughs> what, what what was some of the what was some of the hardest hardest most challenging times you did either in your training or or sort of going through things where you too had that that thought that came in and went fuck I need to you know put up my hand here and quit.
3: Oh mate, like probably the biggest um, challenge you get, I guess, is short. I Always talk about short term, um, you know, maintenance. Really. So I had one where we had like um, we're over in. Mumbai and we're at the international airport so we get to the end of the runway and then we start um, – or oh, we're sitting at the end of the runway and we have a time slot of 8.30 to fly out and we start um, failing the pre-flight bit and I remember like I had this really big night the night before so <laughs> on the, they call them UV drips we're for these – Belgian girls and stuff. Anyway, so I'm there Josh. and I'm struggling, <laughs> but I'm the only avionics engineer on board
1: so far. By, by the way, we're going to go back to that story in another podcast. Yeah, don't yeah. what it is. That'll be yeah. a, whole, that'll be a, a anyway, whole episode. But going up there, and it probably doesn't help that. But the thing is, um, when you're there and
3: you're there and there's like Air India and there's Emirates and all that sort of stuff, and they're all banking up and they're going, you know, um, Aussie 210, are you going to make your time slot? You're going to make your time slot. You need to make this slot because you're not going to have a slot. And then, so you have all this pressure. And you're there, and you're just sweating. And, and I guess it's not something that's just like an arduous experience, but it's very timely. Like being able to take something and and, and I guess do it as quickly as possible. Because if you don't, you know you're costing because mo- it costs money to sit at the airport, right? Mm-hmm. So it's thousands and thousands of dollars the longer and longer it takes. And you got to, I, I guess, there's a lot more that more that problem solving was more that I was exposed to. Like I think, and, and you can carry that into any industry. Like your ability to take things and and solve them, you can apply that anywhere so I guess mine's not a thing where like I was told to pack march here and there and I don't want to talk about my pack marching Robbie will tease me <laughs> <laughs> I lined up for pack marching at OTS and they got all the packs and they put them on a truck I'm like what's going on they're like are oh, they going to drive them out we'll just walk out there and I was like yes <laughs> this is like nothing like recruits was this is officer retreat school but it's going through those time pressures I think was probably the biggest one because you know you don't have anything where you can just go. Oh well, I can I can push it off. I can pull it off. Like mm. people are there and going like, mate, we need this because we need to fly, or else we're going to miss this and we're going to miss that. And the chain reaction. Then there's curfews at airports as well.
2: And it's not just that; it's the safety element as well. You've got to have your head head straight. Yeah, for, yeah, you've got to be in the game, right. right? And, and,
4: and you
0: and you and remember and what ship. the airline environment is like, anyway, Tammy, from your time mm. at Qantas. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Mm. Yeah, yeah, we probably relate a lot with yeah. that, you know. And mm. it, it
0: is it is that the the
3: time. Stresses because you might go, we we'll are go in here, here and here, and then the end destination has a curfew and mm. you need to make it by this time. So every minute that you're delaying here, the flow-on effect of that where they turn around and say, well, sweet, you can't land at Travis Air Force Base, so... Too bad, so sad. So now we're mm. like, "Fuck, what are we gonna do?" And I yeah, remember you know? being
2: stuck in on an overnight, and we'd had an engineering um, problem in the morning, and we couldn't get back until like five hours later or something. And we're sitting at the airport, just waiting mm. for a slot back in Sydney Airport. So we're just waiting, waiting, waiting. Yeah. Everyone's getting the shits. because yeah. yeah. everyone's delayed. And that,
3: yeah, that's the other thing too. Like this. So when we flew over there, we're taking over all these um senior RAF officers, because they wanted to go over and do a bit of a how-you-going trip where they go <laughs> around with, with the Indian Air Force <laughs> and go, well, this is this, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, pretty much sightseeing, right? But every time, up I would leave the, every time I'd leave the cockpit, so I end up doing, the, call it a half-split rule. Dan's where he knows a lot of this stuff, being engineering background. But then uh, me diagnosing the fault end up in the elevator up the top. And with a C-17, you've got to go all the way up through the tail and because I'm hungover, at, so I'm going from the cockpit down past all these guys who have flew caribous and F-111s going, mate, have you checked? that grey hair. And I'm just like, shut up. <laughs> like trying to cruise through and then i am got to go up the you know, up the fucking ladder all the way up the top through the maintenance tunnel. I'm out there, open the door, and it is stinking hot. Oh, it yeah. in like Indian. I'm like, <laughs> I'm out there just like, oh, my God, like hating my job at the time. But got it done and, and, and you keep going on. But it's that.
1: I think a lot more is the time pressures of getting something solved. Mm. Oh, I love that your story of I was really ready to give up was when you were hungover. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't we bring another avionics guy? <laughs> Stupid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I guess like doing commando selection and what you just explained then is like exactly the same. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. I'm trying to relate to it, right? <laughs> you I love it how Robbie tries to bring me in. He goes,
3: oh, Yeah, it's this and I'm doing that. Dane, tell us. You're not like used to hard work. <laughs> Tell us a time where you've had to strive. And I was thinking, "Fuck, is he kidding?" Uh,
2: <laughs> it's just digging you the hole and you're jumping right in.
3: <laughs> I don't mind going in there. Well, Robbie, I know you're a commando, but think about this.
0: Actually, actually, to be fair, um, as the as the artillery guy on the reinforcement cycle, obviously I had to go and do the JTAC course. So, uh, from my FO background, um, JTAC course is probably known as one of the hardest courses in the mil- in the military to pass. Many, many, many people yeah, I was have just say, what not do you reckon the full rate Joint
2: Joint Tactical Air t-
0: Joint Terminal Attack Controller. Oh. Uh, yes. Did you so coordinate? Course. Did you coordinate that when you went down there, setting it all up? I'll get to that, as they say in a weapons lesson. Don't get ahead of me. Oh. <laughs> I've, I haven't done this lesson before. No, no. So, so this, is, <laughs> this is this uh, is this is me doing my JTAC course. Yeah. Oh, um, so as I could be sort of suitably qualified to, to do what you're asking. Yep. Um, what did you say, Dan? What's the hardest thing about? it? Oh, the oh, fallover was, yeah, rate. The
1: fallover rate's phenomenal. And
0: 60 percent minimum. And you, don't,
1: you don't get a re- regoer to do here
0: I can't remember. I think may depending on the reason for the failure. Like if it was yeah. a safety issue, then psh, you're out yeah, straight right. away. So uh, like fifty to sixty yeah. percent fall over. Yeah, and then and and so we're talking about time and fuel and resource. Like fucking flying a jet from Nui out to Singo just to go and do the bloody bombing runs. If you don't get that right, you fucking wasted mm-hmm. an hour and a half worth of bloody F eighteen fuel. And that's fucking like it's it's the most it's the most expensive course a ground guy can attend. Uh, it's got a really really high failure rate, but but it's a super super important one as well you know when there's you think about
1: our current like our previous or most recent wars there's a lot of people that are required to control the air assets that are operating over
0: there yeah fuck yeah Yeah. so that was my sort of first introduction to air power even though I'd been an FOAC before in artillery and some of the captain FOS were JTAC qualified, and I've seen them coordinate it all before. It's like fucking playing a big movie, like a big uh, reality bloody video game, which was fucking cool. I was really, really keen to go down there and get it done. Um, yeah, when you're actually doing it, it's it's pretty fucking nerve wracking, and obviously you've got fucking wing commanders over that standing at the top of mm. you and stuff, bloody assessing everything you say and do. They got nothing else to do.
3: They got um <laughs> with the I love that you sir. say air pass. <laughs> oh fuck. But anyway, guys, but well, when you said air power, because like I'd like to to be used a bit more around Axon, you know that air, power. Me. air yeah. power, yeah, yeah,
2: that's, that's is that just I'm, that's where I operated That's, that's how there. we're going to refer well, to Dane,
1: your air power.
2: What what is Here our admin? <laughs> what is the admin and marketing team referred to?
1: Support flight, support, support <laughs> flight. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. Let's go see them. I don't Let's know. Go that's see it. support flight because <laughs> the JTAC capability was like that's fully owned by the RAF. Is that correct? Um, it.
0: From an air, from an air perspective, so there's air land integration. Yep. You've got the guys on the ground and the and the army, and then you've got the, obviously the planes in the sky. Yep. And then there's the air integration wing to sort of bring those two together. Um, down the track, um, I'll talk to you about how I was able to then integrate the raising of four squadron RAF and bring them into SOCOM. Because yeah, okay. they started to have their own combat controllers down the track, but they didn't exist back in the day. Yeah, so
1: there was nothing inside the SOCOM world at that point in time to be able to provide that capability. Was it
0: was you? army dudes talking to Air Force jets. I'll be That's looking it. forward yeah, to yeah.
1: when we get to that stage. Mm. I'm not getting ahead of
0: you. Oh, He's thanks, like for. But um, worry <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the But talking about four, four squadron going in,
3: because I used to meet a fair few of those guys who, you know, and they always seemed, like I always say, oh, you can tell a CSG or – who's um, army, you know, they're more army than RAF, but having that capability. So I'm looking forward yeah, to it. Yeah,
0: mate. And, and from what I see on, you know, the very, very limited exposure that I get now, like they've come along in fucking leaps about like doing free fall courses and shit. Like, so they're fully spec'd up operators mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they're very, very highly skilled bloody JTACs as well that have lived and breathed air power, you know, since they joined. Cool. Uh, Cause I guess that's one of the things about me doing the, doing the JTAC courses that 3d spatial awareness. Mm. Like it's a very two dimensional landscape. Like, you're here, you're over there, or you've got to move from here to there. Fucking someone shooting at you on a flat plane. There's no vertical sort of um, aspect to it. So just to sort of get your head around that, and and uh, and having being directing jets around the airspace that are flying at fucking you know um, couple of kilometers of bloody every every few seconds. Like shit happens very very quickly. So that's the whole thing about concurrent activity. You know, I already tell them, like, concurrent activity is the fucking, is the number one thing. If you can do multiple things at one time in the same period of time, you get so much more done. I mm. don't know so. how you
2: could multitask that well when you can't do that at home.
0: Ah. Got him. Got him. Yeah, yeah, that him. That him. That yeah.
3: Button, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. It's fucking. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I one. We were talking about con- <laughs> this morning, though, concurrent activity. Dan, I was like, mate, how good is it? Oh, and he's he's probably
1: thinking of me going. Why are we talking at seven a.m. about this? (laughs) I just dropped James off at daycare, and I get this phone call from Dan, and I'm like, "Hey, man, are you okay? Like, aren't you missed you? Is 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 the surf flat, or (laughs) what's going on? There was no surf. (laughs) (laughs) There's lots
0: of white water (laughs) out there. I did see that actually. I made it. We were talking
3: about Tammy and I walking down. I'm like, "Oh, Um, she's like, oh, Dan's already down doing a one on one with Jane. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll do a one on one with someone. And she's like, "Do you do a one on one with Dan? I'm like. Nearly fucking every two hours. (laughs) 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 We're constantly. constantly.
1: Well, you and I used to do it back in the day. It's Uh, just open lines of communication. I don't speak to Robbie anymore. I only speak to Dan these days. (laughs) Used to be like hours on the phone. (laughs) So
0: So it was good, you know, doing my my Rio cycle at the end of selection was really cool. Lots of new skills, you know, um, roping course, amphib course, heavy weapons course. Already done my para course, urban ops course, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it was really, really cool to sort of get all those um, skills under under the belt. So that was the remainder of 2004, and in the first little part of 2005, um, and then of course um, 9/11 had come and gone, um, and then yeah, certainly the Australians' uh, involvement of that started to ramp up even more. Mm. So SOTG, as in its current form, well, the, the, previous the, form. the previous form, how it sort of finished up, what they do, 25 rotations or something. Uh, in August 2005, uh, SOTG-1 got stood up and uh, Alpha Company, your 4-hour, bang, you're off and away you go. So I was, the, I was sort of the b- platoon-level JTAC to make that happen. So boom, over we go. Um, we had to get out to, the RAF didn't have C-17s back then, mm. so we had to catch a Air Force uh, – sorry, a U.S. Air Force C-17 from Pierce over in Perth. And then fly that way. They're like, right, we're going to do bloody attack, attack descent into this place called Tarankout. There was nothing. Sorry, there was a US Special Forces troop operating there, mm. but there was nothing at TK. Mm. And
4: they're
0: like, right, make sure you strap everything down. This, you know, this this tactical descent's like bloody flying through space. And we're like, eh, fucking whatever. You, no worries, mate. Yep, yeah, fucking righto, Jono. Sure enough, fucking down she goes. And fucking, we're being lifted up out of our seats. Shit's floating around the sky yeah. like you see in the in the fucking in the in the uh the space shuttle there. So it was a real zero g, you know, zero G uh environment. Yeah. Uh full full tactical descent into buddy TK. Um no no bitumen runway or anything yeah. back then. Mm. Down comes the fucking ramp and then fucking open like I see the the uh, the Afghan bloody landscape for the very first time. Yeah, well, we were the fir- first boots on the ground, really. Um, from a task group perspective, there were some other um, discreet people over there for you know for quite a few years before that. Um, and fuck, mate, I've never been to the moon, and I'm like, fuck, this looks like the moon. There's just yeah, yeah. shale everywhere, massive mountains,
1: fucking just just shit. I was going to say, because those of you who have been there, you're probably just imagining now the TK runway and you look out and you feel like you're just in a bowl, those big mountains, the whole way around you. And you guys would have just been looking up going, holy shit, like this is not a very safe place to be, like, Within targets range Correct People can fucking
0: see us From miles away So um, yeah that was It was interesting to get there Like there was nothing set up We were sleeping in tents For the first couple of months There's no fucking shelters built Getting fucking rocketed And bombed every night Like it's Not a very nice feeling When you're fucking laying there In your fucking tent And then every couple of nights You know the The the, the siren would go off. They eventually got a, um, a weapon-locating radar there from the US to come in to fucking provide some fucking force protection, and we're all huddling in these little fucking, you know... Um, little T-bunkers. Yeah, little T-bunkers. <laughs> it was fucked. It was, it was fucked. A lot. Um, <laughs> but it was good, you know. We're just good to, good to go over there and, buddy, you know, get that sort of first, uh, first rotation under our belt and just know, be there, be out there. It wasn't the fucking full-on badlands that it certainly turned into, but um, yeah, certainly uh, as the as coalition forces got more and more there, you know, uh, more and more sort of stuff started to happen. Um, when did I come back? So that was August 2005 through to about January, February 2006. Uh, back to Australia, obviously, rotations two, three, and four, then sort of piled in over there uh, afterwards. Interestingly, I got posted back to Duntroon straight away. So it's almost like I... I Started my Afghan t- trips, three of them, and got posted immediately before or immediately after every every single time. And this is how it worked, right? So it was a very tumultuous six or seven years as far as that goes. Um, probably longer, to be fair. So I got back in uh, Je- February 2006... Um, Hang on a fucking second. Where did I go? Oh, straight down the bloody Duntroon. So here's another bit of a baptism of fire. I'd never worked in an environment where there's bloody civilian females in the workforce. Like when you come from a unit of fucking 700 dudes and mm-hmm. probably 10 chicks back then, I understand there's quite a few more in the unit now, which is good. Um, women, not chicks. Sure thing. Um, so, you know, to, I was then the staff officer of the commandant down at headquarters RMCA. So Brigadier Appleton was the uh, was the commandant, and he was a fucking old and bold from fucking way back. And he's this fucking young buck who's just come back from the first rotation of Afghanistan. And I had, if I had no idea on how to be an adjutant back in the day, I had fucking certainly no idea on how to be a fucking staff officer to someone who was very uh, very old school and very set in his ways. Thankfully, I had an awesome uh, DMA down there and also um, sort of chief of staff down there, which sort of kept my life sane. Uh, but yeah, it was it was good to be down at Duntroon. It was funny I was walking around as a as a captain down there. What was I? second third year captain now and um i'm like hey where's the q store where's the ROP? Where's the Where's the orderly room? And people are like, what do you mean you don't know? I'm like, I didn't come through here as a cadet. I've never <laughs> been here before. So it was it a was, it was very weird sort of environment, but um, it gave me a great appreciation. So I spent the rest of that year uh, sort of working there and then um, came over the hill per se and I was a senior instructor for the leadership wing there. And then that's when uh, Dan, yeah, they got me to run the sort of shaggy ridge stuff there. But I loved being a recruit instructor down at Kapuka, but I loved being a like a a leadership instructor at Duntroon even more. Like it was was bloody phenomenal, you know, just to have that influence on people, you know, be that guy from a leadership perspective because at the end of the day, you would all agree those people from a military background listening, uh, the most important relationship that a young officer has is that with his or her senior NCOs. And having been a senior NCO for four years, I could go down there and I guess I was just a little bit different. You know, as soon as some of the cadets found out like um, that I was a sort of senior NCO changeover boom, they'd just gravitate across to me and go, tell me about this, tell me about this, like, you know, what, what do I do in this sort of situation? So, and certainly they were able to go, now we understand, sir, why you're a bit different. You're not like the other captains that are here. I'm like, look, I'm not better or worse than any other captains here, here. I just come from a different background. So, uh, it was it was really cool to be and, down there. And you're just different. <laughs> a lot different. <laughs> well, yeah. you, you were there as a, as a cadet, so you would have seen uh, that, yeah. that side of me as well. I'll, yeah, and
1: I mean when you when you still speak to people who were there at the time, and they obviously all remember. But even like the smaller courses that came through, they'd be like, "Yeah, was that that guy that was really really intense and passionate about everything that he spoke about?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that's him. Still is. <laughs> still is. <laughs> still the same guy." I don't I don't know where that got bred into him, but it didn't disappear. Put it that way. I don't
2: know either. Actually,
1: I don't know either. I just I'm.
0: If I find something I like, I fucking love it. Yeah. And if, I, yeah. if I'm if i not very good at something, I don't do that. I just don't – my f- my brain is already full. I don't take on information <laughs> if it's not going to be useful for me because if it's something in, it's something out. Something
3: has to go out <laughs> for me absolutely. to remember this. Was Dan one of the cadets that gravitated towards you? Do you
0: no.
1: Think? Never. No. Nah, nah, no, he's
0: an engineering background, mate. No.
1: He's, no. No, absolutely. <laughs> no, no. No. Um, I don't think, RT, I I don't think we really got to know each other until I was like posted up to Darwin maybe two or three years later and you'd be occasionally coming up there and pitch blacks and all those sort of activities would be on and there may or may not have been a couple of cheeky nights at Monsoons for those of you who live up (laughs) in Darwin um, that uh, resulted in you sleeping on our fold-out couch which is always bloody fun, mate. Yeah, the
0: the closest relationships I got with the cadets down there were the ones I played footy with. You know, because the the instructors and the cadets down there would play footy together on the weekends and stuff. So that's, you know, you sort of form that extra little bond down there. But look, I'm really, really proud to know that I've got dozens and dozens of, you know, friends on Facebook and people I catch up with and, you know, cheeky little messages every now and then. Many of them are turned into clients of ours now. Mm. So they're sort of helping, you know, we're helping them build their property portfolios and, yeah, make lifelong friends down there. And certainly similar to being an RI, you're working in their all core environment. So then there's a whole new bunch of, you know, um, peers from a cohort perspective. So I'm down there with engineer captains and armoured corps captains and, you know, um, intelligence corps captains, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a really, really great environment and you certainly you, you really expand your peer group down there a lot.
2: Did you and Dane ever have crossed paths or, or close to? No. Is there any like…
0: He's not allowed on our bases.
2: <laughs> Restricted. Well, you,
0: you only fucking served in Amberley. Yeah. I did go up to Amberley the, a few the, times the when frontier. the F111s yeah. were up there and when used to go out the back there and do some dry runs from a JTAC perspective, but yeah. So you might
2: but have been on base at the same time.
0: Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Everything was yeah. going there, like all yeah. the
3: squadrons and stuff, all the flying squadrons anyway. It's funny when you're talking about sort of like um, um doing a, a tactical landing so we do like that with um, sit, like touch and goes, right? So you be flying along. I was laughing when you are talking about it before. And they don't say anything and then they just go like, doof and it feels like you're suspending in air and then you just go like, oh, God. Or <laughs> well, they might go like, oh, <laughs> would you God. have a lunch? And then you go down. <laughs> so they, they have like a load master selection course and we used to sit on the jet with them. So you get all these guys and they're Navy and Army and stuff and they come on, like, we want to be a load master. So they do this um, flight at the end of it. It's on like the Friday morning for two hours and they go, all right, guys. So you get on, everyone sits looking that way directly at each other so they sit on the sidewalks mm. they fly them out and they go we're gonna what we're gonna do is we'll take off we're gonna shoot out over to the ocean and we'll throw it around a bit what do you reckon and i was like yeah all these people who've never sit in planes <laughs> anyway so we're going across they're the, thinking they're on yeah. a corners jet yeah like. I, got this, I got this navy guy with a beard, and he's sitting across from me and like i'm not there trying to get selected or anything i'm just i have gonna be on the jet for any um you know air ABH, issues yep. so flying oh, along <laughs> And I was talking to him as I we was walking on the plane, and he's like, Oh, mate, it's just so keen. I can't get in the Navy, get in here. I'm like, Well, this will show you if you're keen or not, right? I said, Did you have any travel calm? And he's like, What's that? I go, You're fine. I go, What'd you have for breakfast? He goes, Oh, mate, how good's the mess at Amberley, and eggs? And he's crapping on it. Had some oatmeal. I was like, Oh, God. And, so you're and i sitting, yeah, so and sitting across from him. And, and we're flying along, and they just start banking it real hard. Boom, boom, boom. And the plane, it's just like the travelator, like that um, <laughs> ride. So it's going up and down. And so it pushes really hard on you and then brings you suspended. And my mate's next to me, goes, shit, that Navy guy doesn't look very good. And has gone, oh. And then he's starting to grab the um, sick bag off the wall. Oh. I'm like, he's not going to make that. And he goes, like, Duh. and he pukes on himself and he grabs the bag. And then we start banking up. And I'm like, oh, God, he's going to be, like, higher. And he's looking at me, like, the smell. And then by the time we landed, all these, like, Navy dudes and Army guys are, like, trudge off the back, like, oh. And they're, like, puke," And we're just, like.
0: Yep, that'll sort them out. And then
3: the <laughs> then Lloyd Marsen comes up and goes, So we'll probably get about two of them, I reckon, out of all that.
0: <laughs> for those what? watching the YouTube clip, that was fucking funny. For
2: <laughs> how did I, how did you go with all that? You oh I took tablets you? dude. Oh I you knew something.
3: drugs, drugs, yeah. drugs. Right. Drug, drug, drugs <laughs> travel car. I'm like, mate, it's a Friday flip. We've got to get on the travel car. <laughs> but you get people out there and gee, just and you can see the pilots just love it. Cause always what you're supposed to do is look at like the horizontal line. There's like a white line. And that cause the center of the jet is still. Centralised, right? It's just mm. the sides that are going like that. So the pilots now are pretty good, as it's called. Yeah, yep. Man, Ooh. fucking mm. hell! I think pitch your mm, love mm, it. Mm. Yeah, but they're <laughs> obviously not in tune, so they're getting flicked up, you know, mm. big time. And it's just,
0: it's just a bloodbath. The reason why I know that is that when we did our JTAC course, they put us in the back of a hawk. Yeah. So no training, no gravitron training, yeah. and fucking you're in the back of a little jet proper jet trainer and yeah we did uh, 90 minute b- so the guys were on the guys were down so the course got split in two um guys were calling in low-level passes for 90 minutes and i'm in the fucking back and it gave you a real appreciation about what the pilots have to go through and i'm so much of a i was so much of a better jtac yeah. having gone through it but i was fucking like it was yeah. the worst experience of my life. I was like, "Get me the fuck out of here!" It was fucked. It's like your
3: body too. It was the weird push on like your body all the time. <laughs> really bad. Can we censor <laughs> that last?
0: <laughs> yeah, it was like, yeah, I was, was, I was not good, not good. Like you in your fucking gym suit. You were, you were f- yeah, yeah. It was. It was oh God, stop saying that. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs>
2: right. You,
4: anyway, so anyway, back you on. Were there. No we went go- to go- so you were no
2: good.
0: I was no good at all. Wait, I was so like, We're, him, you, him, were you vomiting. Him, him buggered up. All yeah, fucking oath. And then, like we're then so we go down to a low level fly, and then a low level pass and then sort of egress back out to the next cp up at like 10 12000 and I've, i i didn't have a yeah. didn't even have a mask on i was trying yeah. to fucking breathe yeah. i'll make a see in the revisionary he goes hey man put your mask back on there's not much like oxygen up here yeah. i'm like <laughs> I can't fucking breathe mate I'm like You're <laughs> like, like sure, mate I'm trying to breathe like, back here He goes we can't, we can't land Like we've got to keep Doing this sortie It's like it was yeah, yeah, yeah it was like Too bad Fucking hang on This yeah. is This is gonna hurt it's, it's And it different. did And it fucking sure enough There'd be another one Come in and Zoom down yeah. we go again And fucking up and down I'm like yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was <laughs> fucked I enjoy it It's so different To like a seasickness
3: You know it's like Real lappy sometimes yeah. And it's that motion And then but This is like a different type Don't
0: ever do that In front of me again
3: That's very slow. That's my European move. That's all European
0: Oh man European. <laughs> Oh Jesus Anyway continue Sorry Robbie Oh this is fucking gold For you If you are listening to this On podcast Go and find it on fucking YouTube oh, I don't want funny that funny shit going on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah yeah it's, it's in mate It's
1: happening right, it's, it's absolutely The European work. The amount move.
2: of editing I'm going to have to ask Dubs to do for no, this it's so. fine, No it's fine It's, my fine, God. Fine. it's fine Let's, it's let's fine. bring us
1: back hey, so um, So we're back to
0: Then, then <laughs> finished my time At Duntroon Got promoted to major In 2008 At the end of 2008 Which is really really cool My Mum and my auntie and uncle and everything come over there. Like, just you know, to see a young boy who fucking joined the army as a digger, then get promoted to major in the RMC, done in the officers' mess was it was a, was a great event. Uh, very, very proud. Um, yeah, family were bloody, you know, stoked. Um, sure as shit, no dramas. Righto, you finished that posting back to Afghan. So, back to Afghanistan. I went, um, in December 2008. Uh, went over there with only rotation 10, nine or 10, or something like that, eight or nine. Um, And then I was over there working for the CO as his plans officer. So it's all about Mm. understanding strategic strategic battle space, synchronising assets, you know, basically, you know, being that sort of J5 or S5, you know, plans guy, you know, what's happening in – not not what's happening in the next six weeks, what's happening in the next three to six months. Mm. So that was was really, really good to sort of get my head in the game there and sort of – it's funny, like, when you go – I came out of an operational environment into a training environment, straight back into an operational environment again, having spent no time in the unit. So I was a little bit, I was a little bit dislocated there from a capability progression perspective. But you know, sure as shit, after six weeks of being in theatre, you come up to speed pretty quickly, and you know, you sort of learn what's going on there. And yeah, I lo- loved being in headquarters. It was good. That's where I met Damo over there actually. So uh, that was it was good to sort of to meet Damo over there, and and he was he was working in Kandahar at the same time. Uh, one of the highlights we had over there as well was the sort of the uh, ceremony where um, 4-hour commando got dropped and 2-commando regiment came into play, you so, know, for real. And obviously that's stand now, so that was sort of good to be over there on an operational um, footing to make all that happen, uh, w- which was really cool. Um, I got back to 2-commando, when was that? Mid-2009, um, and then... I did, they didn't have an OC sp- slot for me to go into straight away, so I was the XO for the last six months of that year. So uh, that was good to sort of be, um, you know, be working in the, uh, you know, side by side with the CO just to understand from a admin log capability, Manning, TARP, fucking stuff that needs all, to all go all, on, all the good fucking stuff, man. Shuttering, all the oh, shuttering. No. But you know, so we had the OpsO, we had the, tr- you know, so the the uh, the S three, the S seven, the S five, like you know, just sort of that senior level major, I guess, work you know, senior level majors in the unit working together was really good because then the following year when I sort of um, dropped in to be an OC to then be reporting to the XO that I did sort of the year before, it was sort of good for me to have an
1: understanding about the key priorities. About Yeah, what yeah and you probably had there. an understanding of what the outcomes the XO was trying to achieve as well because you sort of led that groundwork the year before. So you're now yeah. like an OC going... Actually, I actually understand what the EXO is trying to get out of me here. Not just I assume I know what's going to go. Yeah. On here.
0: So even though it was fucked at the time, I felt like I was like thrown in the deep in the deep end quite quite a few times. Uh, sort of through throughout my career. But you know, you get to you get to sort of we well, got no choice, have you? Yeah. <laughs> you got to fucking yeah. just just pony up there and sort of get it done. Um, uh, so then when I was the OC Ops Support Company, what are we talking there? 2010, um, 2010, halfway through two thousand eleven. The span of command was massive. I had the CT wing, I had the snipers, had the mortars, had the amphib wing, had the JTACs underneath me, etc., etc. So, um, you know, I had all these bloody senior sergeants and warrant officers coming in and giving me all these briefs about all this capability for the to I then a sort of put the meat on the bones to, you know, give us a succinct brief, sometimes all the way up to SOCOM and Chief of Army to, you know, change a particular part of a doctrine or whatever. And I didn't really fucking know what I was looking at because I'm not the SME in, you know, you yeah, know, yeah. fucking vehicle-mounted bloody operations that were, um sort of you know CT stuff. So it w- it was again, it was a very challenging year and, and something that you know needed a lot of my a lot of my attention to sort of you know get through there. And it wasn't wasn't just a bloody you know flash in the pan you know per se. Um, one of the things I had to do this. So this was the time whereby um, there was a few was sort of a few rumblings where chief of air force was talking to chief of army going, Hey, you know, we got bloody JTACs bouncing in and out of Afghanistan, but we've got heaps of bloody army JTACs that can't pass the JTAC course. I've got a heap of bloody, you know, smart um, you know, effectively um aggies, I suppose, is sort of when I think that's where they were sort of first spawned anyway. Uh, the RAF SAS are like, Oi, let's 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 us bloody go and be uh, a JTAC. So it was really It was challenging at first from a culture perspective, of course. Um, and certainly now when I'm talking to, to all of our clients, I'm like, look, I did so much time with the RAF, and I really, really appreciate, like, not just hanging out with air combat group with the guys flying the jets, but, um, you know, all the, the the air mobility group to get people, you know, to and from. Did a few trips across to Red Flag in Vegas, uh, went up to Alaska as well for another Red Flag up there, and just got to hang out with RAFies a lot. So, you know, it's certainly um, their professionalism, their AAR culture, their, you know, their their excellence as far like... To be a fucking pilot flying a jet, like no small feat, right? So from a special forces and pilot perspective, we all got on very, very well. Um, one of the cultures there that they do very, very well, and it's something I, you know, I've certainly brought into here is the AAR culture or the hot wash culture. It's like if something's not going well, okay, right, let's all get together leave your rank and your ego and fucking everything else at the door and let's not blame anyone but let's just, just try and find out what's going on like you know that whole fix sustain uh, sustain fix improve fix improve thanks Dan um, about how it all works there so that was really really good to be in, involved in and I'll say to our clients now I'm a buffed army bloke through and through 100% but I've got a lot of sort of you know light blue that runs through my veins as well so yeah, I guess, uh, have you heard many blokes, Dane, speak about speak of the Air Force so favourably? But, I mean, what, what was your impression of the Army going back <laughs> going back 180? What was your impression of the Army back in the days?
3: Um, I heard a saying, which I still think about, is um, in the Army we say you do, in the Air Force we say you think, in the Navy we say you relax because they don't do anything. Oh. <laughs> and I remember thinking that. But, like, w- one sort of thing is, like, and I guess, um, like I said about Robbie when I first met him. Um, man, this guy just oozes the army to me. Mm. Like everything that I see in the army just oozes from this bloke. Like this was me. The, I'd been yeah. out fucking seven I years and when you, you still me. and you were still in that sphere <laughs> to me. Guys, still yeah. green. But this guy is still in. <laughs> nah. But it was. Um. I, I just guess it, it's just a different mentality, and I get the <laughs> culture side to it. Like you, you have um, situations where you, you just need people to follow what, what the direction that's being given. Um, and you guys have. I find it always funny when I meet people who um do maintenance stuff on choppers. Mm. In the army Because I'm always like Well how does that sort of Fit with you guys And they go Oh well I'm a technician first Soldier second Because always hear Well you're a soldier first Then it's your category second Or well, you're mustering yep. yep. So how do you find that Because obviously They talk about people Just taking direct orders And what happened With like the Seahawk And everything like that mm. They didn't want to foster that It was like that Bottom up innovation I was chatting to you About it the other day Yep. Of trying And like you said before Like everyone's supposed to just You have these fishbowl moments Where you sit in And everyone can just talk mm. Right Um which is massive in the rap because in the end, everything that we do is is moving forward to make sure that the one person at the front of that plane can do their job. Yeah. So, like, when we're getting people ready to fly into Afghanistan, we're putting all the ballistic matting there, like, all that sort of stuff, everything... Everyone's collective effort is to make sure that the jet and the pilot will be in the best position to do what they... You know, it's like all accumulating to do that.
0: Fucking well said. Yeah. I like that. No, it is. It
3: is. It, everything that goes into it is to make sure they can do that. And obviously we need them to be able to perform because they need to be able to go and, and complement the army and what the army are trying to achieve. We don't want to have a thing where the air forces come and do their thing and then fuck off or anything like that. We don't want to operate separately. Like how do we fit in, obviously, and because Robbie would have been at the top of the tier over on the other side. Saying, like, this is the capability we need from them to optimize us. So I think it's, it's, it's a different way, thing where I'd, I just wasn't exposed to it, Robbie. Like, that, that, that thing, like, I had the little sprinkling where we laugh about it when I went through recruits and stuff. But I just, like, going through and doing the, the category I did didn't have that. Like, it, it, you had an apprenticeship trade thing. Like, people didn't call people by rank, they called them by nicknames. I called someone a flight sergeant on my first day and he's like, don't ever call me that again. What <laughs> was it's, your nickname? It's Macca.
2: What was your nickname? Oh. Come oh on, you've thrown yourself yeah. in. Oh, it was
3: plenty. Roche, like, oh yeah, ro- yeah, that's um, a standard. Um, Ferrero. Oh, it <laughs> <laughs> was a few. Oh shit, that edit one. that out.
2: Ferrero. Uh, yeah,
3: so Roche. <laughs> yeah, now know, you're gonna, so now you are going to know when. But, but, it, but it was just a different listening. environment, I guess, for yeah. that. But it, it all comes down to like the biggest thing is um, your capability, timings, like timings, timing, timings. Like we were having a bit of a joke last session. Ten, you would have laughed. We're talking about um, going through and doing an Alpha Selection Board um, Roy and I was saying they get up, they get got these five guys, and they're like, hey, yeah. mate, you know, you go through, you got two minutes, this guy didn't even get out of high school pretty much, and they told him to sit down. But it's very much they're trying to make sure that what we have, the confines that we have, you can operate in them and, and, and
0: do that. So I think it's just different. Like I just wasn't yeah. exposed to that. that joint around. joint nature. I mean, Dan, yeah. you did you did some trips away where you were at that formation level headquarters
1: planning in Kabul and Iraq, Yeah. Yeah, so um, Kabul, Kabul was like at the national strategic headquarters, I suppose, in in Afghanistan, and then followed on with a trip over to Kuwait. So, Kuwait, yep. so embedded within the US forces when we we're doing like the truest form, I think I found of actual operational level headquarters. I don't, almost don't think I got it until I was sitting at a three star headquarters of what actual operational level headquarters is. Mm. Sure, like because Aussies. It's almost like Australians can't do it. This The equivalent force that we were talking about over there was uplifting the Australian Defence Force into theatre at one time. And then when you're actually thinking about deploying that entire Australian Defence Force into theatre at one time, you're like, oh, shit, this actually takes some planning from that Real scale. Real scale. And, mm. I mean, like, when, when you're talking about the ability to just switch on an extra thousand troops over a one-week period – that's not something the Australian Defence Force can necessarily do. Like, you've got a single shot capability of that in the Aussie Army. So um, you'd be able to do that. Week one, switch on another 1,000. Week two, switch on another 1,000. And the next thing you know, well, you've got an extra 50,000 people in the tri- in the theatre. So it was, a, um, it was a very different experience when you actually get to that sort of higher level headquarters when you've got all the tools at your disposal as well. And that's probably um, one of the similarities that you found is that being in the SOCOM world, it wasn't like, no, you can't have that toy. It was you can demonstrate your need or your capability Mm. to get that toy and then therefore you got it. It's the same thing at an operational level headquarters. You're like, I can demonstrate to you why I need that capability, why I need those people, why I need that cash, why I need the local coalition forces to be on the ground doing that particular activity in that synchronised moment. And as long as you can get all those things into alignment, it all just starts to come together seamlessly, and everyone starts to work together, as you're talking about, Dane, because you can see the effect that people are trying to achieve holistically. So now even though I, you now go- I know how yeah.
2: you guys justify all your uh, purchase orders through the business. You're like, yeah,
1: well, it's one of those. I things need, need this toy. No, you buy it, <laughs> no. and then you come up with a solution as to why you, you demonstrate <laughs> the need. I
2: know. I know Daniel, our mm. our videographer, um. is currently like. He's learning I, well. I'm learning.
0: <laughs> I'm all for like the um the military, the army corps, a spirit of corps. Like you know, you've got your 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 troop competition, your squadron competition, your unit competition, your brigade competition. But when you all need to bloody like get your heads together, all that goes out the window. It's like especially you in a formation level headquarters. You know, mm. or, or a decent level headquarters, you can't have those little rivalries there. Otherwise, this fucking people just will say no out of out of fucking spite, just to have that competition there. But you that, you, I guess, you are forced to display teamwork at the supreme levels to get shit done. Otherwise, nothing's going to get done. Mm. Because yeah, as as the army, we don't fucking have planes, mm. and a second hand plane ride is better than a fucking first class walk. Mm. There's, no mm. <laughs> there's no doubt about that. <laughs> That's true. <right. laughs> um. So yeah, I loved being an OC Ops support company. It was really cool to sort of have all those different sort of um, activities under my belt there. Sure as shit, finished my posting there, back to Afghanistan, bang, straight away. So um, it was April 2011, uh, went back over there. Um, you and I were actually starting to hang out a little bit back then, Tam, weren't we? Yeah, we no, met in
2: 2009 yep. and then,
0: uh, yeah. We sort of bouncing in and out of each other's lives mm-hmm. for a little while, but I remember the, um, it wasn't heartbreaking for me at the time, and I'm not, I'm not banging my chest here. When I said that tomorrow, I said, I, I'm going back to Afghanistan and, so therefore, we're not together anymore. I don't want to have a girlfriend whilst I'm over there. I don't want to have that responsibility. I've seen guys' fucking heads explode over there when things are not going well with their partners um, back in Australia. I just didn't – I didn't. I was going over there. as the opposite of the task groups. This is like, all right. You need to be on. on. You're on, the on. person that has to be on 100% of the time. Correct, task. correct. And it ended up being a nine-month rotation for me as well. So it went from April all the way through to January, really. Um, so yeah, it was uh, not a very nice thing to do But I, I, I did it in a cold callous manner at the time And, and that was just, I didn't know any, any different Like as, um, as <laughs> Tamar- have, you, have you learnt <laughs> anything, by the way? Tomorrow's sitting there going, hmm, I'm glad you actually didn't You know, and the, yeah, when you are surrounded by the chance of death And then the actuality of other people fucking dying around you On a very frequent basis Your levels of empathy, f- for me personally anyway It just fucking disappear. Because you can't fucking sit there and wallow and wane for weeks and weeks after fucking losing a mate. Because the next mission's happening in fucking seventy two hours, lads, and we're going to go do that. So you know, it's so that I saw many, many people sort of go through that as well. And when you're responsible for uh, planning and resourcing and managing and then coordinating everything that goes into it, you can't. You just got to be on all the time. So,
2: not that that's healthy.
0: <laughs> no, I mean, looking back, it's, it's 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 not healthy, and it has contributed to some PTSD of mine. But you know, it's you know. Mm. At least now it's being addressed and it's being fixed, and you know, the, you know, people people will have to sort of face that stuff eventually. But yeah, it was really cool to be over there as the OPSO and yeah, like I said, it was um, fuck, we lost too many guys in that trip actually, and, and many of them as the, some guys I did my my Rio cycle with, so the guys you remember, you know, the most. So uh, yeah, it wasn't a very nice time, but you know, you're over there doing the thing. Um, Sure yep. as shit, finished that trip, bang, posted down to Canberra. So, so I didn't ever get to come back to Australia or when I left Australia, I
1: went straight back to the Afghan the whole time. So it was a bit weird. So I, I think that was your last trip to Afghanistan. It thing? was. Yeah. Sort of, can you give us a bit of an insight how drastically things had changed from that first time where you did your tack descent into TK to oh. the last trip where you were sitting over there for nine months as the opposite Because Shit had evolved quite. Oh yeah,
0: well, f- yeah. Those the trips. the no more tents. The R T F was over there. Yep. The MRTF, I should say. Uh, they were rotating in and out. Um, there was bloody full, full bloody bunkered uh, accommodation and everything. Um,
1: air conditioning. Uh, yep. Yeah.
0: Aircon. Internet was there. Um, the the secret fucking K drive that everyone wanted access to as soon as you landed was still there um for uh maintenance of morale uh, by yourself <laughs> um oh my God. so what else was there there was the bloody uh, some some cooks had, dr- had flown in from sri lanka and india and stuff so that's like we're getting fucking uh, oi- uh lobster t- and fucking oh, roast oh. lamb and shit oh. like yeah the mess so,
1: over there was phenomenal so in 2012 we i had the workshop for the mtf over there and we obviously had a pretty good relationship with the Ramey boys over the other side of the fence as well of and course. we we used to have, like, this weekly barbecue on Friday for maintenance and morale, but not by yourself. Um, <laughs> so we'd we'd have this rolling barbecue, and I'll tell you what, we'd, we'd be like, oh, we've got good meat today, boys, we've got some chicken fillets, we've got this, we've got some burger patties, so on and so forth. And be like, yep, sounds good, and they'd have this lovely feed over at our workshop. The next week, we'd go across there, and they're like, all right, it's on today, boys. We've got T-bones, we've got ribs, we've got lobster, we've got what? this, and I'm like... How good is this? You also had some pretty good Snickers ice creams over there too, by the way, mate. That that mess. No expense spared. Uh, (laughs) Look at Danes like what? (laughs) Fucking still doesn't. I I don't have FOMO. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll tell you what, the um, (laughs) it was one of the one of the greatest things. So one of my cousins at the time, he'd been over there in the early days as well, when the Dutch had the mess. Right, and he was he was forever telling stories about how good the boiled cabbage was for dinner at night of the different varieties and flavors of cabbage um compared to when i later went over there and it's like oh it's easter and today we're going to have crab's legs and all of the different meals that have been now provided by the the civilian contracted force that was being able to come back and um sort of backfill on the role so it's a a very big change from that perspective
0: it certainly did evolve a lot yeah so from rotation one and even going into kandahar and living there you know the mess is evolving and Fuck, they had oh, bloody... The boardwalk. The boardwalk, thank hub. God it's Fridays, so you could go get a fucking ice cream and, you know, and sure as shit, Starbucks don't get me wrong, there, you yeah. always knew where those bloody tea, tea bunkers were because you could fucking get rocketed oh, any, any time of day and night. How did that
1: boardwalk get rocketed though?
0: Like, Lots. Jokes there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, finished that trip um, back down to Canberra and that's when I went and worked at uh, Special Ops Headquarters. I'm coming to the end now, ladies and gents, the next couple of minutes. Um. And again, working at a formation level headquarters. So I was working in the SOJ seven branch, so the training branch. So I was like the collective training guy. It was good. Like, oh so I went to Guam, I went to Hawaii. I went to uh, back to Vegas again. So I was like fucking basically the international engagements guy, bloody cruising in and out. People like I, I think I spent about eleven weeks of one year in Canberra because I was literally on the road all the time. So all the different all the different collective training activities I was sort of you know responsible for planning all the large large scale activities. So it was good it was good be, good being down in Canberra. It's actually um, it formed part of my transition down there because my my desk was opposite the brew room there. like big big open plan area down there at SOHQ right, which was weird again. Obviously they had the little compartment rooms off the back end to go and speak about um, certain stuff. stuff. <clears throat> it's funny like when you. Even now, I look back and I'm like, it's not that fucking secret. No. But it, it actually, it is because not many people know about it. But when you know about it, it's not that secret. Like, it's not that big a deal. And certainly, I remember when I actually did this charge, like, all right, you need to sign all these forms now. I'm like, all right, um, you know, Major Turner, you, you remember, you can't talk to anyone about that capability. And, like, basically, you just need to forget it. It never it never really happened. I'm like, it's not fucking men in black, mate. You can't just, like, <laughs> go on fucking someone's eyes and, like, you just have your, me- your memory wiped. But, you know, yeah, it's... I get, yeah, there was, there was some, uh, some special stuff that was going on down there. But like I said, when you're involved in it every day, it's like it's not that fucking special really. Um, but it was uh, – so my office was directly opposite the brew room. And there was, um, there was always sort of old and bold, old SAS guys. And I would say, oh, fuck, I turned 50 in another bloody 18 months' time. Um, these guys were in their early 50s, I suppose, and they were coming back doing continuous full-time service. You know, and there was one of them, Bill, and one of them, Barry, they're like, you know, what are you doing in here, mate? I haven't seen you for ages, you know. He goes, oh, mate, you know, I'm just back here doing a bloody continuous full-time service. He goes, I, I can't find a job out there. I'm like, he goes, what do you mean, mate? He goes, fucking did 27 years in the SAS and now I'm fucking in my early 50s and no one wants to employ me. And I was just listening to it overhearing and it sort of all started to fall, you know, fall into into... Uh, play because then I, I got that call from, uh, from my old mate that I went and sort of worked with, you know, soon afterwards. You know, he's like, Hey, I hear you're thinking about getting out of the military soon. So it's sort of planted my seed. I'm like, Hmm, I've done nearly 24 years. I'm 41 years old. I don't know anything else. I've, felt, I've sort of felt like I was at a bit of a crossroads. I'm like, <clears throat> I either start exploring what other opportunities are going to be out there for me because I was never going to go to staff college. Mm-hmm. As a guy who was the joint fires guy, artillery fella in, in SOCOM, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna get a slot at Staff College to then go and maybe go and be the unit CO one day because all the all the you know infantry and arms school guys um, had sort of got that under the belt. So that's good. I was happy being a major. As you know, some fucking awesome jobs as an A four. You know, yeah, kicking around. Absolutely. It was you know you're not sort of um, you know you got you got enough you got enough clout you got enough flexibility but you're not tied to a bloody desk all the time. So yeah, it was just a good little activity whereby I saw a bit of a glance into the future by going, mm. these guys are in their early 50s, they can't find a job on the outside because they chose to stay, you know, for 25, 30, 30, 30 odd years in the military and then they don't don't know any different. So yeah, um, and you guys have sort of heard the rest there for, uh, all the way back on the podcast season one about how I transitioned and sort of how Axon started. So yeah, that's the that's my bloody military story. That's how it all happened. What do you reckon, Tammy? You, you, some of that you haven't heard before?
2: <laughs> a lot of that. Yeah, no, yeah. it's
0: good. Yeah, yeah. Loved it, man. Good stuff. Loved it. There you go. Couldn't relate to all the Army stuff, but I still love it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You and me both. (laughs) And, of
0: course, um, yeah, I'm really, really uh, grateful to now sort of be – and I look back at my time a lot and I see, you know, guys that I was recruit instructors with at Kapuka as an instructor um, in 1999. Um, and they've gone on to be fucking tier two, tier three, tier four RSMs, and they've fucking still got the uniform on many, many years later. I'm like, fucking awesome boys, fucking top stuff. You know, there were... Um, the CEO of the unit right now was a brand new junior burger captain when I was sort of getting out back then season and you know he'd gone up through the ranks and you know performed extremely 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 well you know and other guys that I was with at the time they're now full colonels and sometimes even brigadiers I'm like fucking awesome fellas and you know you guys have done really really well with your career and certainly Dan I've said this to you before if I had have stayed in then, you know, maybe, maybe I might have fucking got picked up somewhere down the track and maybe I might have been a half colonel or a, or a full colonel like eight years later, having been, a, having been a fifth-year major. But one thing I do know is that there's no way I could have created an organisation or, or an environment whereby – you know, Axon's now brought over 130 million dollars of of wealth into the sort of the uh, d- defense culture. So, it's defense um community. the defense community. Thanks, Dam. It's it's unusual whereby um, I don't really miss my time in the military, having sort of gone through that sort of blow by blow activity that everyone's gone through. Why? Because we talk to military people every day.
1: Mm. We we didn't really leave, mate.
2: <laughs> I, I feel That's like, really like I'm in I yeah, feel like, like I'm you, in You've I'm, been dragged in I'm currently saying Ack and Yeah
0: I know by. more about I know more about it now Than when I was in Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There you go um, Thereby end of the lesson Ladies and gents So I hope you guys Have enjoyed uh, My military career There about Why I joined the army Balling my eyes out of Kapuku Because I fucking Hated being there And then eventually uh, The sort of The jigsaw puzzle Started to make sense And I absolutely Love my time in the military Alright See you all guys See you all next sure time man. Thanks Bye. See ya